0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of COVID in Africa, a podcast looking at a continental response to COVID-19, where we aim to bring you stories on how this crisis is affecting people's behavior and attitudes on the continent. I'm your host, J.D. Ramalapa. In this episode, we'll be focusing on homeschooling and how it is being implemented in different contexts on the continent. We will hear from a parent who is trying to balance working from home, parenting, and homeschooling all at the same time. Have you done any homeschooling since (laughs) lockdown? Let me tell you something about
1: (laughs) homeschooling. There is no such thing unless you're completely 100% prepared for it as a parent. Homeschooling is not real for parents like me who relied 100% on the school system to give your child everything they need because, oh my God.
0: And we'll also hear from clinical psychologist, career and executive life coach, Zofia Borensanyi, who will weigh in on the impact of working from home during quarantine times Workers and corporate culture.
2: There's some very um, invasive technology that people are secretly using. Some companies, I don't know if this is used in South Africa, but certainly in Silicon Valley, it's being used where um, they actually install software onto your computer and your phone and your iPad, if they're work related, um, without your knowledge that tracks every single move you make so that they check. Um, how much you're typing, how active you are, whether you're logged in or not, um, whether your emails have words in them that are non work related, or if you're looking for jobs instead of working. So there's, these things exist.
0: But before that, let's go to the Rhino refugee camp in the Arua district of northwestern Uganda, where our producer Lomora Ronalds looks into homeschooling in the refugee context.
3: Following the closure of institutions of learning on the 20th of March, 2020, His Excellency the President of Uganda and the Ministry of Education and Sports designed a preparedness and response plan to COVID-19 with focus on continuity of learning. In addition, model teachers were to prepare lessons that are to be delivered on radio, television stations across the country. But in the refugee camps, radios and televisions are not a very common thing to find in every home hence making it hard for the children to access the already-going-on radio lessons and TV lessons. And unfortunately, once aired, the lessons can't be replayed, and hence making it hard for the ones to follow. The ministry has also worked so hard in consortium with different stakeholders under the guidance of the National Curriculum Development Center to develop a standardized study lesson packages in core subjects for primary and secondary levels that are supposed to be distributed to all learners. But still, with all these efforts, refugees haven't got any chance of having even the calicrom. Instead, ZOA, which is a partner organization working here in the refugee camp, distributed holiday packages to a number of primary school-going children here in the refugee camp. If you come right now to OJRC, you will see pink, green, or red, colored booklets in the hands of primary going school children and that is actually the holiday package. It contains different subjects inside it which are in question format but those questions are supposed to be answered and they're not only supposed to be answered by the student but also via guidance from either a parent or a teacher. Mawa Vicent is a refugee teacher here in Rhino Camp and he believes that education can continue even during the COVID-19 times. He is helping in a coaching of more than fifteen children here in Rhino Camp. But he does that in phases. As today I'm going to meet him, I can see he has two children that he is dealing with today. Plus zero. Under a tree at his home he is marking and correcting an exercise done by one of the pupils he is coaching. Around him are his two grass-thatched houses and two children seated well-spaced in front of him as he marks their exercises. More Vincent uses the local language to make the kids understand more better. I had what a time to interact with the children and they were telling yeah. me that they were doing their exercises. Homework? This is homework? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ma with courtesy provided me with a seat. I sat right next to him and had a small discussion with him about his coaching that he was doing. Okay. Without, without this, I think it's very hard for them to cope was of this period i think this the period is very mm. long and we even don't know when will they be called back to school mom is very worried that the students and the pupils are just staying home idle the government has yet for now not released any particular or specific date to when the children are going to go back to school you have to manage to what is maybe giving interest? Moavitin say that he draws his energy and fuel from the little contributions and little monies that the parents to the children give him. He said he is paid at least 30,000 Ugandan shillings per month. Right now here in the refugee camp, getting access to books and getting access to different materials has become very hard, as not only is it that the materials aren't available but even the roads are closed that you can't go that far to purchase any other material since the lockdown has been effective so it makes it so hard that homeschooling becomes a little bit harder than what it's supposed to be under normal yes you must have a knowledge knowledge. Mm -hmm. two skills of teaching these various classes then three this is what we call approach. How do you approach this different age? Maybe like like a child in Pity maybe. And maybe one more say. big challenge is as well that most parents in the refugee camp are actually illiterate. They can't read and they can't write. It makes it so hard for them to guide their children even through the holiday package or even any other homework or any other academic work that they're supposed to do. So this makes homeschooling become very hard. And maybe calculating some of the things. No
0: one. I'm just alone.
3: Why can't your mother or your brother help you?
0: My mother don't know how to explain to me, even my sister.
3: So do you find it easy to read alone? Or you feel like at least if you had somebody who could help you, you'd understand better?
4: At least with someone.
3: I had some time to chat with a student, a PPO. Florence, who is actually in P7 class and she was telling me some of her difficulty and the time. She tells me that she's facing a very strong difficulty that her mother can't help her neither her sister because her mother can't read and neither can she write. Tabu Rose is also a secondary school teacher that resides right now here in the camp and she also helps some other children during this time to see that they understand their homework as well as a few classwork. But for her, she does it free of charge. The children, some of them are not able to answer the questions and even reading is hard for them. So I read for them and then they will be able to answer the question or else if they have not understood, I tell them what was asked from the question. and they, since they've been staying at home, most of the things are forgotten, so I'm always with them and I've been teaching the children of Prima 2, Prima 3,
0: 4 and 5, yesterday. How do
4: you come to see Two groups of seven. Two groups
0: of seven. Okay. A few weeks ago, my sister sent me a picture of girl. my seven year old niece wearing a pair of high heeled black boots while being homeschooled. She said, and I quote Doing schoolwork in heels. Help us, Father. My sister is married with three children, and although she's not new to homeschooling, it can also get very hard for her sometimes.
4: That's such an easy day. Uh, hubby had to go and run a couple of errands, so I had three kids, and I had to teach two of them. And the third kid is eight months, so that was a bit of a juggle. Um, and I've got children that are at the early stages of learning so i've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old so you really have to spend time on the concepts and you can't just leave them to work you know remotely by themselves we're teaching them how to do it today was the first day where i was teaching my seven-year-old to work by herself um it did not go well at all (laughs) There was, you know, with no guidance and stuff, it, it, was, it was a mess. We took a lunch break, you know, sometimes food helps. Took a lunch break and then we got back and it was much better. And now we finished. We just have one science experiment to do. Right now, I'm just going to make myself a cup of coffee. I still got to clean the house, cook... While a picture
0: of my niece standing studiously at her desk studying while wearing heels made me chuckle, it can be highly frustrating for parents who have to support their children to learn in new environments. So um, have you done any homeschooling since?
1: My- <laughs> 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 Let me tell you something about homeschooling there is no such thing unless you're completely 100 percent prepared for it as a parent homeschooling is not real for parents like me who relied a hundred percent on the school system to give your child everything they need because all oh that's
0: mbalim tetra a working mother of two daughters an 11 year old grade five student named umi and a two-year-old toddler kawe since lockdown, she has had to work from home as she is the general manager of skatey in South Africa, an international non-profit organization, which uses skateboarding and education to empower children. In addition to her normal duties as a manager, she also has to homeschool.
1: I feel like we've been thrown into the deep end as parents because we suddenly have to figure out what they're actually doing at school. And when you look at what they're doing, it's like, my God, what? I, I'm, I haven't been at school in over 20 years. How am I supposed to remember how to add fractions, multiply fractions? Do you remember how to do this, J D? <laughs> do you remember how to find the lowest common denominator? No. <laughs> do you? Because I did that last Thursday. Google has been our friend. YouTube has been our friend. We are literally YouTubing things. <laughs> I'm listening to American accents because that's where a lot of the content comes from.
0: But learning how to teach her daughter grade five mathematics was not the only challenge.
1: The next challenge is getting her motivated to do the work. So it's not even the struggle of the physical work itself. It's that she's demotivated because she's not in a learning environment. We have an office. She has like a place that she can sit and do the work. It's quiet. There's minimal distractions, but she's not motivated to do the work because it's like, what the hell? I'm not even at school. Why should I do anything? And so all I can get her to do is watch TV. And so I've 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 taken the path of least resistance, which (laughs) is to let her do it, because I don't want to fight with my child at a time when we have to be with each other 24-7 about the fact that she didn't do her maths work or her English work and I can see she's frustrated I can see she's um she's reaching that point where I can even say I can see like uh, symptoms of like anxiety or depression in a way
0: mm.
1: and there's literally nothing I can do about it because you're stuck in this position for god knows how long really? and when you put the two-year-old into the mix it's even worse because she's bored so last week, I had a fight between the two of them where she drew in Umi's English book, workbook. Mm-hmm. And she drew every, she drew all over it. It was a work of art. <laughs> but obviously, Umi's now going to be in trouble at school because her younger sibling drew in her workbook. <laughs> and she was, like, upset with her. And so now the 11-year-old and the 2-year-old are fighting. And I'm still <laughs> trying to hold it together with meetings that are never ending at work because coupled with all of this, there's still work and boy is there work. Like I've never had so many Zoom, Google, Hangouts, and God knows what else meetings Mm -hmm. in my life than in this period. I think I have about eight meetings a week minimum.
2: One of the things that are happening is that too many meetings um, which are already overused as it is in, in work settings um, and often they are ineffective. But even more are being scheduled for um, visibility and control uh, rather than because they're actually useful and necessary and effective.
0: That's Zofia Borinsanyi clinical psychologist and executive life coach at Fast Forward Coaching. She says the lockdown has come with undue pressure on working parents, especially mothers who are now having to work from home for the first time while also managing the household, looking after their children and homeschooling without the usual support systems such as help from domestic workers, babysitters or even relatives. Yet the corporate world has been slow to adjust to employee needs.
2: There was already a 24-7 working culture before. Now it's even worse. So there's this assumption that because you're working from home and we're giving you flexi hours, that means you're available anytime, all the time, because we're allowing you to be with your kids half the time, so the rest is our time. That doesn't quite work like that. So there needs to be some strict um, agreements in place about, for example, breakfast time or lunch time or dinner time, when you're having to make food for your kids and be with your kids, that there's no calls scheduled for those times.
0: There are also some practical technical issues which companies may not have considered adequately, such as some workers may not have access to Wi-Fi, enough data, or may be forced to share their computers with homeschooling children, which can further complicate a working day. The lack of physical contact can also affect trust levels in working relationships, which can lead to paranoia, hyper-control, and micromanagement tendencies. Um, and then there's some very um, invasive technology that people are secretly using. Some companies,
2: I don't know if this is used in South Africa, but certainly in Silicon Valley it's being used where um, they actually install software onto your computer and your phone and your iPad if they're work-related um, without your knowledge that tracks every single move you make so that they check um, how much you're typing, how active you are, whether you're logged in or not, um, whether your emails have words in them that are non-work related, or if you're looking for jobs instead of working. So there's, these things exist and they're being used. So that's very highly micromanaging, very controlling and intrusive software, which frankly, I think is illegal, but also certainly unhelpful.
0: Sophie advises parents who are working from home to document all of the work they are doing to increase levels of trust with their employers. She also advises women especially to become more assertive by learning how to set firm boundaries in their work and home lives?
2: The ability to say no is really a big problem, especially in South Africa and especially for women. And setting boundaries um, and negotiating their own needs and stating their own needs is a really big problem. So um, women need to just get ready for that and you need to get that take a, a serious look at how your assertiveness skills are and how you will beef them up because you will need it both with your family at home with children with husbands with other family members that might be demanding your time at home um, and with colleagues and and um, superiors because you will have to say no and set boundaries
0: Despite the many challenges most parents face with homeschooling, many are still reluctant to send their children back to school on the 1st of June. Is like Here's Mbali it's, again.
1: It's changing the way human interaction can happen. And kids don't know how to change interaction because they only know one way to interact with each other. Mm-hmm. They are constantly, they're hugging, they're talking, they're sharing secrets, they're whispering, they're going to the bathroom together, they're holding hands and you want to tell me that in the school as full as it is without social distancing you're going to try and implement that like i i I physically don't see it i don't see it in my head how it could happen
0: that means that parents their employers schools and government have to adjust to new ways of doing things
1: if 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 schools could start thinking about their own context individually and say okay my daughter's at leicester road in this classroom of 14 20 of you are were online and you were able to access the resources we provided why not continue that methodology so that you can still have the issue of social distancing addressed by those who cannot access the materials and leave those that can to do the work at home it's a lot of work but I think I'm willing to take up the challenge if I'm given some form of direction.
0: Zofia Borensanyi says there is no scenario in which things will go back to normal post lockdown. So everyone has to be prepared to learn new skills and do things they've never done before.
2: A lot of companies are are looking forward and strategizing and realizing that um, actually they're benefiting from much more online um, work and virtual work and home working, so they 're realizing that they can get rid of massive overheads if they don 't have an office in town that they have to pay for. Um, this will mean major changes for for their workforce um, for the actual type of work that they do, how they do it, and where they do it so this will be f- happening more and more for many companies, so the landscape will shift a lot of course there are people who are like nurses and essential workers who do have to go back to work but even with them i think there'll be innovations that happen which will be good innovations but all of these have side effects that need to be thought through it's it's not always as positive as it first seems yes yeah.
4: okay <laughs> she
1: wants okay. Me- she wants me to change her nephew. <laughs> not daddy
0: as if by appointment, Bali's youngest daughter, Kawe, interrupted our Zoom call. She wanted only Mummy to change her nappy. So we had to say goodbye.
4: Bye. Bye, Bye. Bye Bye, Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
0: That's all we have time for in our show this week. Please don't hesitate to share our podcast with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We'd love that. And please tag us when you do. You can also subscribe to our SoundCheck newsletter by going onto our website at www.soundafrica.org for more of our content. Reporting in this episode was done by Lomora Ronald in Gambala, Uganda, with some expert analysis from clinical psychologist and executive life coach Zofia Borensanyi from Fast Forward Coaching. Story editing was done by Kelly Eve Gwopman. Music in this episode is Garden State by Audio Binger and Dream by Chan Wai Fat. I'm JD Ramalapa. Merci beaucoup, muito obrigado, Asante Sana, Baya Tanki, Shukran Jazilan, Reale Boja, and Thank you for listening. Stay safe and sound.